you're gonna crash, right? You're just going to. Like, if you put your identity in what you do, eventually what you do will fail because, again, we're not robots and we're not human doings. We're human beings. And that's why I feel like this this season is so absolutely vital for, uh, like, humanity because we are remembering that we're not what we do. Welcome to Convos. I'm your host, Jordan Shavu, a veteran bass player, husband to my amazing wife, Latasha, and a big video game enthusiast. Join me as I chat with some insanely talented people about life, career, craft, and everything else in between. On today's episode, I interview Joy Ike. Joy is a renowned singer-songwriter based in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. She began writing and playing songs in college when music was merely a hobby. Eventually, hobby turned into passion, and in 2008, she left her day job to pursue a full-time career in music. Since then, Joy has toured all over the country, with her music being featured on radio stations such as NPR. Suffice it to say, leaving her 9-to-5 paid off very well. Hang with us as we chat about her recent single, All the Time in the World, highlighting the importance of community in the midst of the COVID-19 pandemic. We also discuss adjusting to new norms, staying creative, and processing America's racial tensions as musicians. Now, without further ado, let's get to the conversation. Joy, thank you so much for doing this. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. I'm super excited to just chat with you and um, just just talk about life right now, especially just being a musician and an artist, because uh, it's pretty crazy out there. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy out there everywhere. <laughs> pretty much, pretty much. I want to ask you about all the time in the world. Um, congrats on that. Thanks. Thank you. Um, it's a really, it's a really fun, fun, cute video. Music is excellent as usual. What was the overall reception to that song? You know, were 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 people were people kind of like, oh man, no, I don't want to be reminded that I have all the time in the world, you know, to just do nothing. But obviously, the song the song really has to do with just connecting with loved ones as given the fact that we're all have to uh, self-isolate. Yeah. Um, I feel like the response has been pretty, um, pretty warm. People have been uh, sending great feedback about, about all the time in the world. And, and again, yeah, I wrote it because I realized I was spending a lot of time reconnecting with people I hadn't talked to in such a long time. And then the video itself is really just uh, a day in the life of kind of video where you know, it goes from waking up in the morning to eating breakfast, brushing your teeth, doing all the things that you do, um, really twiddling your thumb at moments, trying to figure out, okay, how do I make this time pass? And uh, the song came out uh, within about probably five weeks of quarantine. So I think it was the timing was good because people were still in that phase where they were trying to catch up with old friends and trying to figure out how to pass the time. And, and now, you know, we're so many months in that it feels like we've all kind of established our new versions of time passing and busyness. So I think it was, uh, it was right uh, for the timing. And I think it's uh, the song itself, at least the audio is still such a great reminder of uh, a reminder to stay connected to the people that you love. Right. Um, uh, absolutely. Was was the song difficult for you to write at first, or was it fairly easy? Because um, no, you know, <laughs> no. I, I kind of got the vibe that you know, well, I literally have all the time in the world, so I think I can pull pull this together. And you know, little little fun, 
quick tune um, that everyone can can sort of re relate to. Um, was it was it pretty? You, uh, you mentioned it took you only five weeks to kind of just put it out there. So, um, I mean, oh yeah, I I'm not a I'm not a big writer um, in the sense that I don't put out a lot of content regularly. Um, it takes me months to really flesh out flesh out um, the ideas in the song and feel comfortable with playing that song out. Um, but with all the time in the world, it, the song, I mean, I, I probably, I'm certain, like the song itself came pretty quickly, but I think by the end of the following day, I kind of had it to a place where I was like, oh, okay, this is a complete thought. It doesn't need to be a four minute song. It's really simple, um, straightforward and um, to the point. And so, yeah, it came immediately. And so for me to write and uh, record and release a song and then also make a music video for the song all within five weeks. Um, definitely a super speedy turnaround for me. And it was, it was like all consuming because uh, I, I mean, I was in my house, so I had to figure out how to use recording equipment. <laughs> and, you know, I had my, my drummer and producer in Boston and my bassist in Pittsburgh. And so they all contributed their parts and my uh, producer ended up putting all the pieces together and, you know, doing the mixing and stuff. But it was a lot of um, a lot of work in a concentrated time period, especially uh, recording the music video and learning this new editing software that I absolutely love now. So you know, it was it was a fun project, and I was so glad for that distraction in the first month because you know the world was exploding, and I just wanted to like um, you know discover uh, or express myself. Um, in re relation to what was going on in the world and then cry about it later on. <laughs> I, I, I get, get that. Um, speaking about <laughs> crying, you, you have been on the road for, for a good while um, now doing, doing shows you know, around the country and, um, and also um, overseas, correct? I've traveled uh, internationally Multiple, multiple times, but I haven't performed internationally. Mm -hmm. My <laughs> sad story, my France trip was my first international uh, tour for this July got canceled. So that's sad. <laughs> oh, so so that would have been your first time in France then. Yeah. Doing, yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. First time in France, first time playing music. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Wow. I'm... <laughs> I'm so sorry. Um, <laughs> wow. Yeah. This. Yeah. The 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 virus has has shut down a lot of in general, and I think one of the challenges, especially for me, has been okay. You know, this is the time that we're living mm -hmm. in. You know how how do I work through through that? How do I kind of make the best of out of a situation? Um, what what have been some things that have helped you in this time? Hmm. Wow. Uh, gosh, I, uh, you know, I have my sister and my um, closest friend who also live in my neighborhood and they've kind of been my close knit network in this time all the time, really. But especially in this season, um, had to like, I've had to, um, you know, ask myself the question, like, who was my family, you know, aside from my, you know, immediate blood, blood family, blood relatives, that I live a little bit further away with the exception of my sister. Um, having a unit of people and, and friends that I'm checking in with and videoing with regularly is, uh, 
uh, it's like of utmost importance right now in my life. So there are certain friends that I'm checking in and, and talking with, calling in, videoing every week just to, you know, stay connected. You know, for right now, it just feels like for right now and for always, it just feels like community has a takes on a whole new meaning. And we all we always knew that life was all about you know, the people, the relationships, but it takes on a completely different like significance in this season. So that's been super important. And other than that, you know, just making art, like I love making art and I don't mean music, but I mean, just like painting, um, doing crafts, um, stuff like that. You know, it just, uh, I don't know. I just find ways. I just feel like I, I'm most comfortable when I'm making something. Um, most myself or most, uh, you know, grounded. Mm, yeah, that, that totally makes sense. So, so community has definitely been, been a huge help for you. Um, I feel like community is something that I think artists creatively inclined people could, that's something I feel like we may not always be good at at times. Um, at least I don't want to say speaking from personal experience because, you know, I'm married, obviously. So, um, <laughs> but you know, you can get so caught up in doing this um, project you're doing. You're writing this song. You know, if if you're you know if you're a producer, you're probably you know up until the crack of dawn. You know, trying to make make this song. You know, or you know, you get struck with a bowl of inspiration, and then you gotta, gotta go to the piano, pull out your guitar, and you're there for like hours. You know, trying to hash hash something out you know i can't i can't recall <laughs> the the number of times where my wife and i will be having a conversation and i kind of just start zoning out cuz i got this this cool creative musical idea in my head and she's like hey babe you know are are you yeah hey babe um are you okay like yeah i, I just have this thing in my mind she's like oh okay you know <laughs> she's like like uh just jordan being 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 jordan you know, um, I really think that's something that that we can really take take for granted. And I, I, to to your point, I I think community is such a great has such a great way of of grounding us as creative people. You know, and kind of really staying staying in tune into the world. And I think that makes what whatever projects that we do all all the more fulfilling. You know, because we're not just trying to take this on by ourselves, but, you know, where we have the support, you know, the love of people around us to keep us going, um, which is definitely important at, during, during these times as, you know, you know, a lot, a lot of musicians are, are out, of, out of work and, you know, trying to, trying to create essentially a new, a new normal. So it sounds like, um, putting community together is is help. It's, it's definitely been helping me, uh, but it sounds like it's really helping you too. Would you Would you say that you're more creative, or you feel like you've been more productive creatively because you know we're in this weird, you know, the whole world is on pause? Um, do, do you find yourself really kind of thinking of a lot of ideas, and now I got <laughs> again all the time in the world to to work on this? <laughs> yeah. I, I do. I do. I feel way, way more creative and like I have more time for it. I think before it, it felt like I was squeezing in my creativity. Like I was always in the run, you know, going to a show in a different city at a different conference or 
venue or something. And then, you know, hopefully on the weekends, maybe I'll get some time on Saturday afternoon to, to make something, you know. However, those are the times that I crave, crave the most, you know, because those are the times that I felt most rested and most myself. So now it's really cool to wake up every day and shape my day around, I mean, my obligations, but also the things that I want to do and not only the things that I have to do, which I think is really the, the blessing in disguise of this whole season. You know, it's like, I, in some ways, I feel like it's kind of how we were always meant to operate. And somewhere along, in the process along the way, we all got lost <laughs> and we put way too much uh, emphasis and, uh, and value on our productivity. Um, and I think we're all being reminded um, in, in a weird way, it seems like by force, you know, because we, we don't really have a choice about all of this, but we're being reminded that there are way more um, significant and special things than making a lot of money. And uh, yeah, just like, you know, productivity. Mm. So ha- have you been doing things? on a creative level that you've never done before uh, prior to COVID, uh, for example, you know, Oh, I'm just going to take out, take up painting. I got, no, I got all this time, you know, why not? Is it, is it something like that or really more time to kind of cultivate projects that, that were probably on the back burner, but now you can take the time to just focus on them because, you know, what else can you do? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's more the, more the, um, the latter. I, it's like, I like to paint, but I'm not a painter. Like I would never say I'm a painter out of respect for people who are, are real visual artists, <laughs> but I'm getting better, you know? And, and that's really exciting for me. Cause I feel like now it's like, I'm, I'm starting to figure out what my process is for making art. Um, that's been really cool to get, to have the space to really explore those types of things. And I have a, a way long way to go, but it's, it's cool to see the progress and, and things like cooking, which for me is my um, all time favorite thing to do. Uh, well, on probably on my top three list, I have been having tons of fun trying new recipes and coming up with like different, you know, just different things. Like I made my own relish the other day, you know, and I know it was like, I was so proud of myself because I had pickled the cucumbers and they'd been in the fridge for like weeks and, and I mixed capers and cilantro and a couple other things in there. And it was good. And I blended it and it was like a puree kind of relish. I was like so pumped. But, you know, just making space to think outside of the box with stuff. And, you know, I could go for days on the different random, random little projects I have going on. But, yeah, it's all it's all fun. Yeah, yeah don't forget uh, baking bread because everybody's doing that now. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, I should be doing more of that. But I'm trying to lay off those carbs. <laughs> same, same, same here. I, I oh, love man. I love bread. Um, my wife and I both love bread, but because we know that, we're trying to uh, avoid that. Like, <laughs> I got to. <laughs> yeah, it was okay the first two months. So, really, sounds like to me that you're doing a lot of things to feed your soul, you know, as, as a, <laughs> yeah. I guess, um, and I don't want to, I don't want to misinterpret, but um, feeding your soul as opposed to just, you know, I guess feeding your path forward to, to your career because you no know, reality is, oh man, mm-hmm. no, 
I can't go to France right now. You know, I, you know, I, I can't, I can't, you know, it would be, it wouldn't be prudent of me to, to keep dwelling on that. So, you know, I'm just going to make some relish, you know, you know, you make, um, I guess when life gives you cucumbers, you make relish. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that's, you know, that's, I'm, I'm, um, that's quotable. I'm, I'm taking that. <laughs> I love it. It's true. That's good. That's good. Um, yeah. That's, that's the moral, that's the moral, moral of the story. story. <laughs> I know. I love that. No, it's true. It's so true. What's up, conversators? I sincerely hope you've been enjoying the episode thus far. Before we move forward with the rest of the interview, I have to ask you a serious question. Would you be willing to buy me a coffee? <laughs> no, I don't mean the drink. I'm referring to the platform coffee. K-O-F-I. Coffee is a platform that allows content creators to receive financial support from their community. It's also a great way for creators to engage with their community. I would love your support with the podcast as doing so will allow me to produce more episodes in the near future. To support the show, head over to my website, georgefood.com, and click on the podcast tab. On the podcast page, you'll find a link to my coffee account directly below. Hit it, and you'll have the option to make a one-time donation or subscribe monthly. By subscribing monthly, you will have access to extra content, such as behind-the-scenes posts, bonus episodes, and a chance to be a future guest on the podcast. Neat, huh? Whichever option you choose, your support will mean so much to me and keep the podcast going. Thanks for taking the time to hear me out. Now, let's get back to the conversation. Do you think you had a bit of a identity crisis, though, like once the whole pandemic thing started, you know, were you, was there a bit of time where you're like, oh man, I'm not quite sure what to do with myself. I'm kind of freaking out. At least, at least that was, that was me for like, that was me for like a good, a good week. Cause I was looking forward to all these, all these things, all these gigs coming, coming up, you know, and now, now literally there was nothing. And I was like, oh, well, I'm just going to be moody for a bit. And <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> um, no, I I had my identity crisis in 2018, so <laughs> so I got that out of my system. <laughs> uh, it's so funny, but um, no, yeah, no. In in all seriousness, the first week, like this is the week of of the cancellations, like when everything was shutting down mid March. I was angsty for a few days. I was like, oh my gosh, I have zero money coming in, and uh, really started to figure like work go in my head and I'm like, okay, so what's my backup plan? What are my other skill sets? What do I need to do? But truthfully, I was nervous and then it passed. And um, I, the, this past month and a half, like I'm such a homebody that I always, I keep, I keep joking with people and I'm just, you guys, I'm like, you guys, I was built for quarantine. Like I love, I love this home, staying at home thing. It's so great. Um, but truthfully, I had a major like identity crisis in 2018, like while I was putting out my last album, like things were not going as planned. And I really, um, I just really questioned the, the point of putting out the music, what I was doing, if anything that I was doing was worth it. And, um, like lots of things crashed and burned the publicist I hired, took lots and lots of my money without doing what he said he was going to do. So there were just so many crashes and burns. And so I know if, if not for that, 
it probably would have happened in March. <laughs> so, you know, it's like you're it's like, right. Yeah. It's like you're eventually you're going to, you're going to crash, right. You're just going to like, if you put your identity in what you do, eventually what you do will fail because again, we're not robots and we're not human doings. We're human beings. And that's why I feel like this, this season is so absolutely vital for uh, like humanity because we are rem- remembering that we're not what we do. Um, so yeah, that's, that's truthfully how I feel about all of that. It's just like, it, I totally would have had a, a breakdown. No, no doubt. <laughs> if, if I hadn't had it already. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I, I, I hear you. I hear you. I like to think that my breakdowns come in like waves. It, 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 it depends. <laughs> it's like, Oh, okay. Yes. So this is happening. I think I'm just going to go into a corner and cry, even though I don't really, you know how like Batman is just bro- uh, brooding like all the time or that's like, that's, that's me low key. So like, I'm just like, doing all the all the back and forth inside you know i'm like this is terrible you know? <laughs> <laughs> but um, funny imagery <laughs> yeah yeah um I, I, my wife and i we uh we binge watched gotham oh man ago, so, oh. so uh, and um <sighs> we, we were rewatch we were rewatching some of the um christopher nolan uh, batman movies okay. so so you know i'm i'm, I'm a bit of a batman kick so <laughs> I'm telling you, I um, I watched the first two seasons and loved it. I I was like, eventually just fell off just because I was watching other things. But I really, I love the lead character. I hope he's still the lead character. I mean, I don't follow anymore, but I just thought it was so well done. If you have Netflix, um, you should have you should have time to catch up because uh, all the seasons are on are on there. Right. I may, I may. We'll see. I've been needing comedy for right now, like a lighthearted offset yeah. to the, <laughs> the daily headlines. <laughs> uh, but up next is like weird and wonderful things. I'll probably go into uh, go back, go back and finish the latest season of Stranger Things, or finish mm. Man of the High Castle. So we'll see. Once, once I get back into my sci sci fi headspace. <laughs> Yeah, uh, Man in the High Castle. That's that's one I have not seen, and I believe that's that's on Amazon Prime, isn't it? Amazon Prime. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I should definitely yeah, check I, that out. I I have that. I, I feel like I feel like I don't use Prime enough for like movies and shows. I just use it for you know shopping. You know, because free shipping mm-hmm. is for shopping. Yeah. Winner. You know. <laughs> um, that's amazing. That's. That's cool. Yeah, yeah, um, that's cool though. Not not about your 2018 breakdown, but I'm I'm glad I'm glad that gave way to you being at peace with um, more with with whatever happens in life, um, which I think is so so important because um, I think at least I can I can speak for myself where you know. I get into, I get into things musically and, you know, you want to write it out, you know, and you want, you want to wholeheartedly believe that, you know, it's going to take you somewhere. But um, like you were saying um, earlier, how, you know, you know, we're human beings, you know, we, we can identify in the things that we do, like logistically speaking. Yeah. I, I play bass, but that's not my life. And 
it can definitely be unhealthy to kind of focus so much on just trying to, you know, I guess it's kind of like swimming against the current. If you keep fighting the current, you're just going to get tired anyway. And I think moving forward musically or whatever projects, you know, I do or really any, anybody does, it, it can be, it, there, there, there is that, there is that bit of, of, uh, of tension. Um, um, and it's, it's funny that you, um, also mentioned about you know, your album then, because that was, um, it's also your latest album. Um, it's bigger than your box, um, which would you say that identifying, finding sole purpose in the thing that you do, as opposed as the person that you are, you know, um, would you say that's something that um, bigger than your box addresses like in the particular particular song or it's hmm, a good question man uh, yeah gosh i have to i have to go through and think through each song because i i always tell people that i've spent a lot of time thinking about boxes these last six years you know because every song has a box reference even if the word box isn't in the song and uh i would probably say that uh say goodbye is probably um, the tune on that album that talks about learning how to be a human being. Um, that, that song specifically was one I wrote for myself to uh, really remind myself to get out of my head, to, you know, stop tearing myself down and, you know, kicking myself, um, you know, when I'm already on the ground because I'm not perfect, you know, because I can't perform um, in life in the ways I want to sometimes, you know, both in a just kind of everyday kind of sense and also in uh, the literal performing as a musician, you know, wanting to be so much more and so much better and wanting all these things and, you know, hitting wrong notes and, you know, fill in the blank. But um, gosh, Say Goodbye was like, hey, you're not perfect. Get out of your head. Get out of all of the, you know, the terrible thinking that you put yourself through that, that you like torture yourself with and all the the mistakes that haven't even happened yet, you know, stop running them through your head, like on autoplay and stuff like that. So yeah, that's for sure. Something that I've had to realize and remind myself about, uh, remind myself uh, pretty regularly um, in song and just in everyday life. Like don't, don't take yourself too seriously. The funny thing about my breakdown in 2018 was after the album came out and after I recovered, I took myself like way, way, way less seriously. <laughs> and it was the most freeing thing I could have ever done. Like ever. <laughs> mm, yeah. I can definitely, you know, relate. You, you hit, you hit a, a particular wall and you kind of start unraveling because you see yourself as this person that can punch through walls mm -hmm. or go through all obstacles, you know, because I'm artistic, you know, I'm creative. I'm, I'm, you know, reinventing the wheel. Mm -hmm. um, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> it's, it's interesting. I think for me, when I kind of get to a moment like that, it's always really, it's always encouraging to just hear, to hear from my wife and to say, hey, you no, know, Jordan, you're doing a good job, even though if I'm not, if I, even if I don't feel like it, you know, and that, and that really, and that really grounds me because the basis of, you know, our love for each other, our marriage isn't about, mm -hmm. you know, whatever I can do musically, you know, yeah. it's, you know, 
you know, we fell in love each other for each other, you know, not not what we what what we did, you know. And I think there's definitely there's definitely a danger in wrapping up your your I guess your usefulness as as a person in oh man, like I I can do this thing, you know, and probably, you know, seek to get people's attention that, you know, and you might get people's attention, but not not the people that that will build you up. And I I think I think that's really I think that's really, really important because, you know, if you, if you take yourself too, too seriously, you know, I, I feel like you definitely won't have room to grow. And I also think that limits you creatively from what you can do. Like I never thought of doing a, a podcast sort of thing, but, you know, I, I was like, why not? You know, never, you know, never say never, you know, that's something, that's also something my wife and I say, you know, cause we, you know, we, we live in some interesting times. Sometimes it feels, surreal so you can't put never on tomorrow because you might be doing the thing tomorrow that um that you say you're not going to do you know um not to wax not to wax poetic and all that but um (laughs) but it's that's that's really cool that your music kind of um that you know the way you describe um describe the song was you know it sounded like it was very therapeutic to you um, are, do you write songs? Are are a good number of your songs like that? In the in the sense that you know, man, I'm feeling like this. I need to write this song, telling myself, self, you know, do this, don't do this, you know, this out the other. Um, do you have songs like that that you kind of go back to or or revisit? Just if if you feel like you're kind of I guess old feelings of you know worry, anxiety, or or the pressure to to be something that maybe you're not supposed to be. You know, every time I play a song, my hope is that the song is is new each time. Like every time I perform a song, I should say, um, because it gets boring for me if if, uh, if it doesn't feel new or fresh in some in some kind of way. So I'm always playing stuff differently. I mean, it just happens naturally. It's not like it's overly intentional. But in that process of playing the songs over and uh, and playing the songs and, and um, doing them slightly different, um, I find that certain words will stand out to me in ways that they hadn't before. And they'll make me remember, you know, why I wrote the song, what it was I was trying to say to myself or to someone else or about whatever it was I was writing about. Um, and, you know, I wholeheartedly believe context changes everything. And I'm seeing that in during this whole pandemic is that whenever I play these songs on live streams, and I'm no longer thinking them of them as songs that I want to, want to be anthems for, you know, this person or that person that I wrote the song for or about. Instead, now it's a song that is for the person who I may, I may never meet who's listening on the live stream in a different country, who is feeling the same feelings that the person who I originally wrote the song for is feeling. Hold On is a classic example. My song Hold On is the title track of the of Bears in Your Box. Even though they don't share the same title, I kind of think of it as the, the shining star of the album for multiple reasons. And the Bears in Your Box lyrics are actually in that. Um, but that song is literally a, 
about fighting fear and anxiety and um, conquering the fears that try and overcome you and um, take away your joy and your life when you're going through difficult times. And, you know, right now, that's not a song about friends who are dealing with health complications. Now it's a song about the whole world dealing with COVID, (laughs) you know? So um, always, I'm always revisiting songs and I'm always relearning from the songs that I've written. Um, And I feel like, you know, uh, I'm definitely a person of faith, you know, and I, I, I see these songs and I feel like they have a life. And I feel like sometimes, you know, God will give me a song and I'll feel like it's for something very specific. But then when I see it in a different context, I'm just like, oh, man, the layer just got deep. Like there's there's yet another layer, like someone dug another layer deeper down into the song or, you know, someone painted on yet another coat of paint onto the wall. So that's really awesome that you're able to express your faith through your through your music. Have you ever had conversations with audience members about that? You know, as far as some of the deeper meanings behind your music and how did those conversations go? Um, Were people that maybe had a bit of a religious background, but kind of fell out of church or what have you inquire? Or have you ever had people that don't even consider themselves religious kind of come up to you and ask, oh, man, what's that song about? I I would love to hear about some of those conversations that you've had. Yeah. Um, I don't know. You know, it, it happens all the time. Uh, but in some, in some cases I feel like, you know, I'm, I'm very guilty of this skirting around the issue and, you know, keeping it, um, as, uh, politically correct as possible, you know, so that nobody gets offended and all that. Um, but you know, I have people come up to me all the time and, and, and speak to a song and how it's, um, moved them and how it's, uh, how it's brought up um, the faith issue in a way that um, I might have said this earlier. Um, you know, we spend so much time debating about things and it becomes an intellectual bait instead of allowing uh, things to kind of cut right through to the heart. Um, and, I, and I often have conversations with people about how something, have they begun to think of something issue, one that was maybe politicized um, a religious issue that was politicized before and thinking of it in a different way. But there's one specific um, instance. uh, I don't remember how many years ago. It was probably seven or eight years ago. I was playing a show in my hometown, in my actual neighborhood. Um, And it was a song about, um, you know, longing for the days where um, I I cared about truth, where things weren't... um, double-sided where I wasn't always double-minded because everything was pluralistic, you know, and where, where there were multiple answers to the same question instead of there being one truth. Uh, and I had shared the song and uh, this man just started weeping in the audience. Uh, and he came up to me after the show and he said, and he started, he just kept weeping and he said, I just really miss that. You know, I miss, I miss those days of going to church with my family and you know, sitting in the pew um, you know, and just, uh, you know, that, that moment, I think, which symbolized so much for him because he was a very old man. Um, it just symbolized, uh, you know, all the things that have changed in the country. And um, I don't know, I don't know all, all that it symbolized for him, but that was a very powerful moment to me. Um, 
because I, sometimes I, I think about, you know, the songs that I'm sharing and the biblical truths that are just uh, the very nature of a lot of the songs I write. Um, and uh, I, I wonder what people are thinking. Um, and I wonder if, you know, it's someplace that the audience doesn't want to go. Um, if they want to recognize uh, what's being shared as, you know, a beautiful, powerful moment, but just, you know, a version of truth. Um, but I wholeheartedly believe that there's only one truth, you know, and um, it's easy to, um, it's easy to ignore that or believe and say otherwise, um, because then it allows us to, um, allows us to be more divisive and take sides and find truths that support our mindsets instead of allowing um, a truth to challenge us and to change um, change our mindsets or to change us. Right. That totally makes makes sense. So really championing truth that deals with life helps move through life in a holistic fashion as opposed to oh, you know, this truth supports, you know, what I believe, you know, or how I feel. That's, that's a really, that's a really touching story about the, um, about the gentleman. Yeah. And it was just like one quote and I don't know who said it, but he says that we as a culture, instead of believing that we are made in the image of God, instead of believing and living as though we, we are made in the image of God, we instead make God in our image and um, we live our lives um, shaping God into who we think he should be um, in order to, you know, comfort ourselves and to justify our opinions, um, fill in blank, dot, dot, dot. Yeah, yeah, no, for, for sure. I, I low-key feel like that's why Washington is as it is. <laughs> why the whole world is exploding in fire right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, per, per, pretty much. Uh, that's, uh, that's a can of worms right there, so... Uh. <laughs> That's really cool. Um, thank, thank you for sharing that. Yeah. It sounds like to me that uh, a lot of those things that, that that you touch in your songs, you know, I guess would be be politicized or you know couldn't be or maybe maybe are, are thought of as taboo because you know it would entail this or or that. You know, did you ever kind of think through well? Or not, not even think through, rather, but were, were you concerned about what the reception would be as far as, oh, man, I'm, I'm referencing this, you know, are people going to think I'm about this thing or, or that thing? How did you work around or, or navigate around that? Um, yeah, I mean, I'm always thinking about, like, what is my audience thinking right now? Um, <clears throat> um, for better or for worse, but I think, like, it's really helped me to value storytelling in a way that I never have before. Um, you know, people love stories and stories are what really pull us together. And so being able to introduce a song well is so important to me um, because I want people to understand and not make assumptions about what I think, what, what they think I'm saying. Um, and so that's really important to me. You know, I worry what people think sometimes, you know, I guess that's the human part of me. Um, but I'm, I'm really trying to get to a place where I speak boldly, um, about things that are on my heart, um, not to put anyone in their place, obviously, but to be like, you know, guys, this is what's, what's happening and why it's happening, you know, the way it's happening. And, um, 
And, you know, this whole George Floyd moment in our country uh, is such a, is the perfect example. Um, you know, there's a song of mine called Walk where I talk about Micah 6 8, act justly, love mercy, walk humbly with your God. Um, this idea that if we um, keep uh, making God in our own image and we we decide that um, that we know best, um, that God supports our views instead of looking and seeing um, that the Bible has so many, um, so much about justice and mercy and love and humility. Um, it's the very core of the Bible. Then, um, you know, that negates like nine out of the 10 movements that were about mass murder, you know, you know, all of the, I'm not a history buff by any means, but it's like, and it, it's crazy to think that, you know, slavery was justified by the Bible and, um, uh, you know, mass genocides justified, you know, um, but because we're constantly making God in our own image. And, uh, and so, you know, I could go for days on that, but I just, uh, I really, I do think a lot, okay, like, what is that, you know, what is my audience thinking about what I'm saying and how do I re retell a story so that people get it, uh, you know, and in, in context, especially you know, I'm like I've been singing walk for like five or six years. And once again, it has taken a whole new meaning to me. And, you know, I was reposting yesterday. I was like, act justly, love mercy, walk humbly. Okay. But now it's act justly, love mercy, kneel humbly. Uh, and what, what, like, how now do I have to, how now do I consider that song in light of all of that? Yeah, no, for, for sure. That, that makes a lot of sense, which is also the beauty of, of music because you can listen to something that you either made or listened to a few years back. And then, you know, you listen to it, you know, now, and it just brings a different, different perspective, definitely in light of, you know, what's been happening this country night right now, you know, not just with COVID, but uh, the passing of uh, George Floyd. I'm actually glad we're talking about this because this this actually reminds me of you mentioned about stories earlier, you know, and telling a story and reading your biography. I I, I just found how you got into music and your experience into that very very interesting. And you reference about being typecast as far as you know, okay you know, I'm black. So that means people automatically think, oh, you know, you play R&B or, you know, this, this, that, or another. Do you find it a challenge, I guess, to not, I don't, not even just explaining to people, but just, do you find it a challenge for, for, for people in general to, you know, accept your music, to accept your sound as, as it is? in light of, you know, what, what people think you should sound because of, because of race and ethnicity? Um, I used to, I used to um, feel kind of frustrated with, um, you know, how to explain my sound or, or even those conversations with people or me not sounding like I look, I should sound or something like that. Or, you know, even me like, 
oh, you have such great English or, you know, whatever that means. And um, I don't really, I don't wrestle with that anymore, but it's definitely something that has informed my music career and music world. Um, I think there people, everyone has their biases and their assumptions, right? And we can't get away from that. Um, and so I, I remember when I first started making music, you know, even I had spent years trying to figure out what my sound was. And um, it's funny that that's in my bio. I, uh, I remember that being such a huge part of, you know, my identity. Well, I don't sound like this. Oh, I don't sound like that. Meanwhile, you know, as my voice has taken shape and uh, become more of what it is now, I do think myself more of a soul singer. Um, soul, soul folk is how I describe it. Um, because my voice is really kind of grown into that very soulful sound. And I've always had a little bit of that. Um, but I, uh, I think uh, the bigger hurdle has been, you know, uh, being, and I, you know, it's, it's one of those things you can't always prove, but like being able to play in certain spaces, you know, being welcomed in certain spaces, um, the assumption that I might not be able to serve that audience well or that my music might not fit that demographic or appeal to that demographic and and um and so I think like that has been the biggest hurdle um for me musically um trying to kind of prove that that I'm a good fit for a venue or a specific space things like that yeah uh, totally I can definitely relate to that um maybe not in the context of a lead singer um, but definitely as as a bass player in some in some ways, I, I, gr- I grew up listening to my dad's music, which was, you know, a lot of Motown stuff, 70s stuff, you know, bands like Sly and the Family Stone. Um, goodness, there, 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 there's so there's so many groups that came up from from there. I, 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 lis- I, I pretty much listened to what my dad li- listened to, you know, and uh, I, I, I had the black church experience growing up. Because for the first 14, 15 years of my life, you know, mm-hmm. I went to a Black Baptist church. No, that, that's gospel right there. So I already had those sounds, you know, kind of ingrained in me. So so when my family moved, um, we, we originally lived in Gaten, Pennsylvania, um, which is a little, little outside, of, basically it's outside of Philly. I guess you could say it's the, it's it's the suburbs, but it's also not the suburbs. I don't, I don't know how to, <laughs> I don't know how to phrase it that way, but it was a predominantly white. That's, I, I think that's what I'm getting to. So <laughs> years later around middle school, we moved to a more predominantly white area, you know, so white folk don't really listen to gospel or like that. And if they do, they're, then they're kind of a rare breed. <laughs> you got, <laughs> so yeah. Um, so, you no, know, we, we end up going, going to a church that's, you know, they, they do, you know, the more CCM route sort of thing. And I, and I went to a Christian school, uh, growing up. So that was even that I, I kind of got my taste of CCM that way too. Both of those experiences, especially, um, the Christian school aspect was, um, it's predominantly white and I don't, I don't regret my experiences one, one bit at all, but they were definitely key instances where, you know, I kind of felt like I was being typecast. Not, not only from the aspect of, oh, you know, you don't even sound black. Like, what does that even mean? I'll never, I'll never forget this. 
and and it wasn't it wasn't it doesn't seem like a big deal at the moment but it's something that has always stuck with me i i um i used to work in retail for for a little bit actually actually serving or servicing law enforcement and you know emergency officials that's 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 another story for another time <laughs> and uh you know sometimes they had they would have like country music playing and you know i actually low-key love country music and i i remember re- i remember referencing something i was helping i was helping somebody out i forget who exactly but i was referencing oh man like this is a cool song and the guy i believe he was an officer so and he says oh wow like you listen to country music and i don't remember what my response was but i remember my mind kind of like going blank in the moment because i'm like like, what am i supposed to say to that you know it's like um and like recently I was I was talking to to my wife about this and how it's it's really interesting where you know I can't speak for anywhere else in the world where 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 there, where other black people live, but in my personal opinion, as being an African American in America, it's interesting, especially in light of George Floyd, it's interesting that you know people love the black culture. You know, we you know, you know, we praise, you know, black athletes, you know, you know, you have younger kids, younger white kids, you know, blasting rap music, you know, which is which is fine. Again, everyone everyone can enjoy their music. That's not that's not a problem at all. But it's so interesting to me how and I think it's because of how racism has just been a huge part of this country's origin how being typecast is a is a symptom of that it seems like even the black identity has been the black identity in general i think in america has been so manipulated and 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 malleable that you know you have you have things like blackface you know or or you know the whole uncle tom thing going back you know not to not to make this a history lesson, but I, I think it's really interesting, you know, especially in light of all that. So I think I keep coming back to that conversation, that that key moment, you know, because now obviously, you know, I don't think he knew I played bass or, or was a musician. But for me, you know, at that point, I've gotten to do all sorts of things, you know, musically, you know, be able to play, you know, rock and pop and folk music you know not just the music you know i grew up listening to. i might prefer some some genres over particular ones because well you know you know some music might be more fun to play you know, it might be more stimulating to me in, in the moment but hearing that it, it kind of it kind of feels like a sucker punch and that's that's kind of why being typecast is you know whereas you know with you know with great with like blatant racism you know it's just a straight shot you know just just to your face but typecasts are being stared at sucker punch you know you don't see it coming but when you do it kind of like what you know what the heck (laughs) um and that can be really frustrating to to deal with but i also think in light of everything you know especially and i think especially for you being a being a singer songwriter you know, there is that ability, there is that opportunity, you know, to educate people through music, you know, through art. 
um, to be able to have engaging conversations. And I think that's definitely important in today's climate, you know, not trying to argue with people till you're blue in the face, but really just trying to share, sharing perspective that maybe people didn't consider, consider before. And though I, I'm definitely not a singer or songwriter, you know, <laughs> I definitely feel challenged to kind of do my part into, you know, dismantling some of those, like what, what I like to call isms that, that are large part of racism in America. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Cool. I'm, I'm with you on that. <laughs> All the above. <laughs> didn't, mean, didn't mean to ramp, but you know. I, no, that's cool. <laughs> I think it's a really important, you know, discussion to have because, you know, I, I feel like, you know, Black lives, you know, Black identity is, in some ways, is always kind of being undermined, whether it's whether it's blatant or not. But I'm, I'm hoping anyway, <laughs> with everything going on, there is opportunity for for growth, for for solidarity, for right. education. Now, you actually mentioned before we started recording that you you were writing like a essay um, on, I guess, everything that's going on. Do you think that's something that you would publish, um, or rather, do you think some of that content is going to maybe become a song um, down the road? Uh, yes, all the above. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, I am going to be posting it either today or tomorrow. Um, or put a, put up a page on my website for it. Um, yeah, I'll definitely be sharing that, um, publicly because I think, I think there's a conversation that we're not happen We're not having in all of this. And it's very important Mm -hmm. for me to get that, Mm -hmm. um, out there. And, um, the snapshot version of this uh, this essay is that uh, we are kind of living in um, a circle. Uh, you know, they say if you don't know history, you repeat it. Um, yeah, and we're kind of living in full circles where we are um, we are reinventing our problems uh, and then fixing them, and then it's kind of like this cycle of. Um, you know, I, I reference uh, Robin D'Angelo, who wrote the book White, White Fragility, where she talks about how we celebrate the fact that Jackie Robinson is the first African-American to play pro baseball. But we don't ask the question of, well, why is that a big deal anyhow? You know, like, why did we celebrate that? Because he was the first. He was a hero when we should be really asking the question, why was he ultimately allowed to play quote unquote allowed to play Uh, why was he allowed to quote unquote join the club Um, and why are we celebrating the fact that he finally achieved something according to white standards that allowed him to be part of the gang you know right wow that's 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 really good what was that book again white white fragility by robin d'angelo okay it's it's excellent. Uh, I, I, true true transparency. I haven't read the book yet, but I've listened to her ask uh, a couple of whole keynote speeches as she shares from the book and reads from the book. Um, so now the book is on my list. <laughs> but um, she has such uh, very is the way that she talks about 
the system of racism in America is just genius. And I think that it's something that everyone should read. So, so yeah, um, that's kind of the angle I take, you know, why aren't we talking about the actual real question and, uh, how do we move forward, uh, from making conversation an issue about doing the right thing, raw rules and regulations and talk about the fact that we already know what the right thing is, but we just don't want to do it as a country. Um, you know, so basically digging below the surface and actually talking about the real problem, which is not, is not more, more policy. It's not more anything. It's just literally the human heart and, and doing what we're supposed to do. Yeah. And, and doing our part to bring healing to the human heart because there's definitely a lot of people that that hearts have been broken that's so important wow that's that is a lot of food for thought joy i always always love talking to you um you are an awesome human Um, thank you um it's so funny that Tasha and I were just talking. It was so funny how how she met you and Peace back in Messiah like a years back. Oh, B sides concerts. Yes, yeah. yeah, that was it. That was it. Um, uh, so it's 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 funny how it's also funny how I met you. I met you through Peace. Uh, so it's it's funny how um, you know things just seem to. Small world. Yes. I love it. (laughs) You what's that? That'd probably be a good cover for you to do. Small world. Oh yeah. Oh, I don't even know it. Isn't it? Is that? Should I be embarrassed about that? (laughs) I mean. Yeah. (laughs) No. uh, I uh, maybe it's like I'm terrible with song titles. I I'm familiar with like melodies, but when you tell me like titles, I'm like, uh, what? Huh? Who? What? (laughs) Uh, Um, Joy, thank you so much for doing this. Mm -hmm. Um, I hope Latasha and I can see you soon post COVID. Yes. Um, <laughs> um, please continue to stay safe and healthy. Thank you. Thanks, Jordan. <laughs> and that's a wrap. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the episode as much as I did. I appreciated all the wisdom and insight that Joy had to share. In my opinion, it was very timely and relevant. To keep up with Joy, you can find her on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. I highly suggest you read her recent article, Outside the Box. It was published just days after our interview. It details the cycles of racism that have prevailed within our society and how we as people can stop them. You can find the full article on her website, joyike.com. I can tell you that's well worth the read. Thanks again for being part of the conversation, and remember to have quality conversations. All you need to do is be kind and listen. Till next time.